Yeah, I'm going to talk about finding your mission, what your mission is. Yes, yours individually. You have a mission. Jesus um, had a mission. You have a mission, and we're going to talk about that. God didn't create you to sit on a couch and play video games. He created you to do that, plus go out and represent him. <laughs> okay, we can have fun too, right? Okay, I want to start with, with this word image. And this word image is synonymous with the word Christian. Do we all know what Christian is? What, what does the word Christian mean? Little Christ. Little Christ? Or just like Christ? Similar to Christ? Okay, we've got several passages where we're to be like Christ. Um, we start out with Genesis three times in Genesis one, we're told we are created in God's image. In God's image we are created, says three different times. So we're created in God's image. Um, another passage is Romans 8.29 that says God conforms us into the image of his son Jesus. That's right after Romans 8.28, which I'm sure all of us have underlined for when we go through trials or troubles, God can cause all these things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his righteousness. We have to meet those two things. And the reason that he works those out is Romans 8.29, to conform us into the image of his son Jesus. Another one is 1 John 2.6, which says, He abides in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 Peter 2.21 says, You have been called, because Jesus died for you, to follow in his steps. So we're to follow in his steps and do what Jesus did, walk as Jesus walked. John 13, Jesus said, blessed are those who follow his example and do what he did. And then Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God. Can I see my notes up here? I'll let you work on that while we talk about being the image of Jesus. So when God sees us, he sees Jesus. Or when we look in the mirror in the morning, do you see Jesus? We want people where you work, where you play, wherever you are, to see Jesus in you. And there are several things that we can do <clears throat> that will ensure that. And he's given us tools to do that. I will end with a tool that will be so cool that will show you how to find your mission and how to pull that in with all these things that, that God has given you. So how do we do that? How do we be like Jesus out in, out in the workforce? How do we be a blue jeans wearing Christian? <laughs> a Christian in blue jeans out in, out in the workforce. <clears throat> in my workforce, I've been 31 years working for Montana Steel Industries. It used to be Midwest Industries. God has taught me a lot through there, and I have certainly served him. There has been several people who have come into my office and have said things like, can I talk to you for just a minute? I know you're a man of faith. Can you answer a question for me? <laughs> Led several people to the Lord. Several of them are serving wonderfully. So for us to be a Christian in blue jeans, bluejeanschristian.com, by the way, <laughs> we need to look at what Jesus did. What did he do out in the workforce? Out in the, what did he do for his mission? We know what that is because in Luke 4, 
when Jesus just started out in his ministry, he went back to his hometown, Nazareth, went into the temple, and it says that, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and all the eyes were upon him. I mean, like, they're all staring at him. <laughs> What's he going to say next? And he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this is his ministry. What he was sent to do. What he was created to, not created, he was a creator. What he was sent, what he came to earth to do. We can do these things too. Seriously, we can do these things too. So let's look at that individually. But I want you to think about where you would apply this. Like in your job, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're on a softball team. Maybe you're on a trap league. Maybe you go to the archery range and there's people there you hang out with at the trap range. Maybe you have a sewing class or something. Think about that and how you can fulfill Jesus' ministry because we're to be just like Jesus. Okay, so let's look at this individually as we think of that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Okay, about three-fourths of you. <laughs> The other fourth need the Holy Spirit's help to raise your hand. <laughs> okay, that, and, that, and that's the Holy Spirit does two main things. The two main things that the Holy Spirit does is to be a helper. When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit come and he will be your helper. He helps point you to Jesus. That's what he helps you do. And he helps you understand Scripture. And the Bible even says he'll help you understand Scripture without measure. That means God's not going to hold anything back. He's going to give all you need to know. All you need to know. So it's nice or comforting to know that when we're serving Christ, when we're being like Christ out in that job or out in the trap league, we have the Holy Spirit's help. He's helping us. And he'll bring Scripture to our mind and he will teach us what Scripture means. So that's cool to understand that. Also, there is another meaning of the word spirit. The spirit of the Lord means as Jesus did, with his fervor. Let me ask you this. Think about this for a minute. I think of this often. When Jesus started his ministry, he was somewhere around age 30. What did he do up to that? Like from 15 or 17 to 30. You know what he was doing? Yeah, he was a carpenter. He was a builder. He worked. He built stuff. He built furniture. We don't know exactly what. It says he was a carpenter. But I do know that up over the hill from Nazareth, Herod was building his home. And a lot of things over there were being built at that time. Now, I'm sure he took all his tools up over the hill and worked there. I'm pretty sure he did that. But let's just say if he made, if he made a stool or a chair, what do you think the quality of that stool or chair was that Jesus made? If he framed a wall, how, how nice do you think that wall was? Probably perfect. Probably really, really good. Can you imagine if somebody actually has a chair that Jesus made now? What it would be worth. <laughs> but think about the quality of that. 
I mean, even the underside of the chair, he probably sanded and took great care, the part that nobody would see, and sanded it and stained it to make it look really nice. I'm pretty sure he did a fantastic job. He was the best he could be, because we never read anybody later coming up and saying, hey, I knew him when he was a carpenter, and he sucked. He wasn't very good. So why should we believe him now? So have the spirit of Jesus when you're in your job, and be the best you can be. So that people will say, yeah, he's really good. He's got something going for him. Also, spirit means fired up. Like, if you had been in high school right before the homecoming, you had a spirit rally, got everybody fired up for that common goal <laughs> to beat the other team. That kind of spirit. Being all fired up for Jesus. It's another word, another way that that spirit means. And there's also another one. When you think of the word spirit as it's used in like, oh, alcoholic beverages, they're called spirits, or maybe mineral spirits. It means the essence of, the essence of the main part of that. So the main part of a drink is the alcohol. The main part of mineral spirits is the mineral. So we're to be the essence of the main part, the spirit of the Lord, okay? Next one is, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You all can preach the gospel, the good news. You know what it is. You know what the gospel is. Gospel of salvation and to the poor. Now, there's a, there's a, a famous song written by John Newton where he says, I once was blind, but now I see. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I also want to talk about what is poor. What does it mean to be poor? Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said. So people who don't have very much spiritual knowledge, they're poor. Yes, it also means people who are poor. And we can be a minister to people who are poor financially. But people who are poor in spirit are people who are spiritually not very knowledgeable, okay? And you can be that to people every day. This one here, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What comes to mind when you think of somebody who is brokenhearted? Somebody who lost their boyfriend? Maybe they lost their job? What else? Maybe somebody who lost a loved one. Mom died. Your mission is to help those who are going through that, who are brokenhearted. Even if you just sit down, put your arm around them, and say, I'm really sorry about that. Is there anything I can do? Sometimes just being near somebody is really cool. Or maybe you know a girl who needs a boyfriend, and you know a boy who just lost his because he's broken hearted, and you can introduce those. <laughs> you can heal them that way. <laughs> or maybe you can help that person get a job. They've lost their job. Maybe where you work, you can put in a good word for them and help them. Heal means to make better. So let's do that out in the workforce. Look for people who are broken hearted and heal them. Okay? 
Next, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty means freedom from oppression or captivity. Freedom from. Most people are held captive by something. Alcohol, pornography, maybe extreme materialism or self-centeredness that's like, oh, wow, they, yeah, they don't care at all about someone else. Maybe they're held captive by some sort of sin that they just can't shake, that they just can't open up about it, and they need somebody to open up to that will get them some help. They're held captive by that. Maybe we can draw them to repentance so that Jesus can clean them out and get rid of that thing that's holding them captive. We can lead them to that point so that Jesus can heal them so they're no longer captive. I can think of several things. In my life, I've been captive by anxiety, fear, worry, especially in the 2008 to 2012 when the economy went down, fear of losing my company, my house, the house that I built in 2002, this close to losing that? I was gripped by that. I was held captive by fear and worry until Jesus really and a couple other people really showed me. Romans 8, 28. It'll all work out for good. Even if you do lose your house, it'll all be good. <laughs> if you talk to someone long enough, you will probably find something that is holding them captive. And help them with that. Help them overcome that so it doesn't have a grip on them. And recover sight to the blind. Yeah, John Newton wrote a song and he said in, in, the, in the Amazing Grace song, I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah, some of you can be an optometrist and help those who are blind. But some of you can help people who are blind spiritually, blind to Christ, to see him. What did John Newton mean when he said, I once was blind? Remember, he was a slave ship owner. He took slaves until he came to Christ, and then he could see how that was wrong and how he needed to turn his life towards Jesus. You can do that with folks, too. You can help them see. You can help them see. Next, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Many people around you are oppressed. Find them. They are in an oppressive relationship. Maybe they're in an oppressive job. Kinds of pins them down to just think paper or plastic. <laughs> Maybe you can help them out of that. Maybe they have an oppressive boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe they're married to an oppressive husband. A lot of people are oppressed by something. Maybe they're in an unbiblical church. You can help them get into a more biblical church. Maybe they're in a legalistic church where there's some oppression going on there. Using God's truth and the fruits of the Spirit, you can set those folks free. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Yep. And what does it start with? What's the first one? Love. It starts with love. It starts with showing them love. Okay. And love is spending some time with them. Folks won't 
they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's love. They'll open up to you when they really feel a genuine love from you. And last, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I think what this is, is this is when Jesus reigns in his kingdom. We can tell him what it's going to be like when we're in Jesus' kingdom. When he's come down and is ruling from Jerusalem, I think we're all going to be working. I think how we do in this world or this life will kind of translate over to then. We'll be doing similar jobs, similar you know, thing. God will say, you know, I, you, you were really good over these few things, so I'm going to put you in charge of all of these many things. I think that we're going to be working. And I think that when we're working then, think about this. That's going to be like working in heaven. What's it going to be like working with other people where everybody is filled with joy and love and peace? And when you send an invoice to somebody, they pay real quick. They don't take six months to pay you. (laughs) Your vendors will deliver on time. And the quality of the stuff will be incredible. It's going to be wonderful working in heaven. We pray for that to come now. Jesus taught us to pray that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is to heaven. So let's kind of be like that here. Let's be joyous at work. Let's be caring and loving of others and making sure they're doing good and helping them, helping them to achieve the goal they want to achieve. Let's give them what I like to call is a little bit of sampling of what the kingdom of God will be here today, here today. How many of you have been to Baskin Robbins and you know those little pink spoons? Baskin Robbins is closed here in town, isn't it? Are they close? You know the little pink spoon where you can get a sample of the different flavors. You know, you get like two or three different samples. And I always think it's cool that then you figure out which one you want and you order it. Nobody ever walks out and says, oh, yeah, that was really good, and they leave. No, they always, oh, I like that one. I want that one. Give them a sample of the kingdom of Jesus, what that's going to be like. Give them a sample now. Be a little pink spoon. Okay? Give them a sampling of what it's like to be a Christian in Jesus' kingdom. Bring, it, bring some of that here now. Be joyous. Be peaceful. Have hope. Hope is something that the world desperately needs. They desperately need hope and love and joy and peace. And we have it. We know where to get it. It's in the great big tub at Baskin Robbins. Give them a little sample of that so they'll want more. So they will come to you and ask about the hope that you have. Like Peter says, be like that. Sometimes it's one person at a time. Find somebody. Find somebody in your, in your class, in your quilting class or wherever you are. Maybe you're out hunting with somebody. <laughs> be joyous around them. Be like, okay, we didn't get nothing, but we sure had fun. You know, show them a little sampling of what Jesus is like, what he was like. He was smart and loving and caring and compassionate. 
Okay, so I want to take this up one little notch, okay? And if you've got a piece of paper, or maybe you can do a real good middle image, you can also take a picture of this if you want, but let's draw three circles on your piece of paper like this. What this is going to be is a tool that I'm going to give you of how to discover where you really fit in best, where you can be Jesus' salt and light, where your mission is. Okay? So the first circle, write the word local predicament. Local predicament is something you perceive as a need or some place that you think you could serve. There's this predicament going on and you think you have a solution for that. Maybe there's, maybe, there, maybe you're in a, in a quilting class and you realize there's two Christians in there and there's three that aren't. Maybe we, got, maybe we can open with prayer sometime. And maybe we can turn this into like a little Bible study thing too. I don't know. But you see that there is a local predicament. The next one is called collective potential. <coughs> collective potential is other resources that will come in to make that happen. Maybe somebody in the quilting class will say, yeah, let's do that too. In fact, I've got something I can bring that we can start praying about or talking over. I don't know, come up with something. But collective potential is things that can come together to make this work. The next one is called apostolic esprit. Real fancy, fun term. But this means two things. One is the Holy Spirit's driving you to do this. You can just feel him pulling a desire, a burning sensation to do this. And the esprit, the apostolic esprit, the meaning of that is you have two things that will work. One is he has given you a spiritual gift that you can use to do this. Okay, when you become a Christian, you're given spiritual gift, one or more, certain things that you can do really well. I know a lot of people don't even know which one they have, but yet they're teaching or they're working at a hospital caring for people. And I'm like, you, you got it. You're, you're doing something in church. You're creating meals, whatever. And the other is a talent. Matthew 25 talks about the talents. God has given us a talent. He's given us a spiritual gift that edifies the body of Christ. And he's given us special talent, some things we're really good at, to help society, to help those around us to be fruitful and multiply, to create things, <laughs> to make this life better for everyone. So he's given you spiritual gifts and he's given you a talent. We all kind of are good at some things and we really suck at other things, yet other people are really good at what you suck at. So <laughs> when you can find all three of those, where those meet, that's your mission. That's your mission. Let me give you a little bit of an example that I know that somebody around town has figured this out using these three. They realized there was an area of town that did not have a coffee shop. So they thought this is a whole area of town that is coffee deprived. How horrible is that? My wife would be the first to say how horrible. So they realized they had a collective potential of Somebody that said, 
I have a partner that is building a building and he's looking to lease this last one. He's already got the others leased. He'll lease the last one for about half of what the going rate is. That's a collective potential. We've got a place, we have a local predicament, and the person said, but how can I serve Christ there? How can I use my God-given talents to do that? They decided that they needed a, there needs to be a place in town where Christian groups can meet for a Bible study and have coffee, or local talent, local Christian artists could maybe sing, kind of hone their craft. And they also realized that they could use the profits of this to support their cousin who is a missionary. So they have an apostolic esprit. They have the business sense to do this, the place to do it, and the desire, and the local predicament. So they put all these three together. And do I all know what coffee shop I'm talking about? Cold smoke. Okay. <laughs> but maybe you have something else. Maybe you know of another place in town, same thing. Maybe the northeast part of town or the southwest part of town needs something like this. Maybe you see this in some other country, a need. And there is funding now available, and you've got the spiritual gifts and the talents to pull that off. You put all three, three together, you got it. You got your mission. There are some scripture passages that kind of support this. Psalm 37.3 so it's to dwell in the land that God has placed you. Dwell means to make your home, make a go of it, make every effort to make your life there. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. This is right after Jesus just got done saying, Don't worry about your basic needs. He said it four times in one paragraph. Don't worry. In fact, He said, Stop worrying. I'll meet all your basic needs. If you seek first God's kingdom and enhancing his kingdom and giving out little yellow or pink spoons to folks, he'll meet all your basic needs. So you can get going without worrying about failure or losing. I never did lose my house through all of that. God met that promise because I really started seeking first his kingdom at my job. Now Matthew 25 is a parable of the talents. He gives some people a little bit. He gives some people a lot of talents. He gives some people a whole bunch. But he expects you all to do something with it. So he's given you these talents. Expects you to do something to it, with it. So head out there and be a pink spoon. Be a pink spoon. In fact, this is so important to me. I actually bought a bunch of pink spoons so everybody can take one with them a pink spoon. So please, before you leave, come get a pink spoon. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your Bible maybe. Maybe... Tape it to your mirror that you look at every morning to remind you to be like Jesus. Be a pink spoon. Give people a sampling of Jesus. Okay? Dear Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for all these bright and exciting faces that I see here that are going to go out and represent you well. And I just pray that they do, that they focus on you and your word, and that you send the Holy Spirit to help them, to help them point to Jesus, and that you help them understand your word so they can make an impact for Christ. And that's their mission, and fulfill their mission, so that when they get all done and get to heaven, Jesus looks at them, 
gives each one of these folks a hug and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, how cool that be. May we all work to that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.